0: Hey everyone, Mary here. Just wanted to cut in here at the beginning again because once again, we are releasing a podcast extremely far after we recorded it. This podcast was originally recorded in, I believe, July or August of 2019 and you'll notice that we make a couple jokes about oh my gosh it's been eight months since we first started recording the season one recaps which we started in I believe January of 2019 so obviously it's taken a bit longer we made some jokes about how we were going to release this episode or the finale of season one on New Year's Eve of 2019 and how that would be so incredibly late. And we're all laughing about that now. But anyway, we are obviously in a time right now where we've got a bit more free time. So I am going to be releasing these much more frequently. And I promise you will have season one completely released in the next couple weeks since there's only one more episode. And then we will go back to doing some guest star stuff and then season two. So look forward to that and stay tuned at the end of this pod for another special message. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today we will be talking about the 12th episode of Riverdale Season 1, Anatomy of a Murderer. I'm Mary Krakowski and I am joined as always by the wonderful Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing this evening? I've been better. I'm about 78 days into the 100 day cold.
1: What is the 100 day cold? It's basically like you're gonna be sick for 100 days but it comes in waves so you like have like a week where you feel like total crap and then you have like two weeks where you feel totally fine and then you're gonna relapse but you're only contagious at the first part of it. It's going around in Calgary right now. It's a disaster.
0: I've had it since May. Is this just like a, a Canadian slang term for the common no, it's cold? A r- it's a real thing. 100-day cold. Okay, I have never heard of this. We are also joined by my friend Hannah Elam. Hannah, have you ever heard of the 100-day cold?
2: No, I have not. I was wondering the same thing where I was like, is it a just a regional reference?
0: The 100-day cold just to me sounds like the kind of, it, like a old wives tale of like, oh yeah, it lasts like 100 days. That's literally what the doctor said. They said, yeah, 100 day cold. It's going around. So we are so close to finishing season one. I feel like we've been doing this for years.
2: I feel like we should wait until New Year's Eve to release the episode since we recorded the first episode on New Year's Day.
0: Wait, we did? Yeah. Wow. I am so impressed with your memory. Or maybe it was
2: like (laughs) right after New Year's.
0: It might have been. Wow. I'll have to go check
1: that. I think we should just rush to get them out. (laughs) That's embarrassing how long it's taken.
0: Yeah. New Year's Day was definitely uh, 12 weeks. Ago, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and as we all know, these are released once a week ish. So, this episode starts off right where the previous one ended. So, if you didn't remember what happened at the end of the last one, they basically spend the first five minutes kind of recapping all of that and doing the same thing. There's no Jughead voiceover because Jughead is missing. He ran away. And I mean, he's on a milk carton somewhere. It, somewhere. Jughead ran away after he threw a pity party, you know, because he blamed his girlfriend for what his best friend did breaking and entering into his house. Right after the previous episode, the school dance, the homecoming, finished and Jughead ran away because he found out that his father has been accused of Jason's murder and has been arrested for that. Archie, Betty, and Veronica are in Pops trying to find him and have just explained, you know, revealed all the information they have with each other, which is that Archie and Veronica went into FP's trailer before the gun was found and so they know that it was planted there and, at the, you know, whether or not FP did use it and if it's his gun. It was definitely not there when they searched the trailer. I just
1: found the start of this episode was kind of like, meh. But then by the end of the episode, I was like, this is it. This is where
0: Riverdale went wild. I I remembered what the ending of this episode was. And when you're like 15 minutes in and we still have no new information, I was trying to figure out how they were going to cram it all in. Because I knew where it ended, but it it took a while to get there.
2: Yeah, I couldn't remember if the ending happened in this episode or if we saw that in in the ending episode or the season finale but it definitely took me by surprise the first time i watched it i was not expecting like clifford to to die yeah or him to be the killer
1: alert right wow we're jumping right new information they
2: should have already watched the episode (laughs) this is called a recap not a yeah but what about me (laughs) come on this is like the fifth time you watch this episode yeah because you love riverdale season one so much
0: i think it's truly only the second time i ever watched it (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh well i love Riverdale season one the gang all decides to go you know what we're kids we're sophomores in high school we should probably go inform the adults of all this information that we know that they don't know which is actually like Uh, pretty surprising for a teen drama. Normally they try to just fix it on their own and then it creates more zany adventures. Yeah, well that's something that we've definitely noticed, especially with season one, is just how much the kids do actually interact with their parents in sort of normal ways. And their their parents do seem to be a little more part of their lives than they would be in another CW drama, maybe. So they all go tell their parents about the gun not being there when they searched it, and Alice is kind of like, eh, doesn't matter, FP's guilty, case closed. Then all the other parents freak out when they realize that Alice was the one who told Archie and Veronica to break in in the first place. And then Veronica's
1: like, no, I went to Alice first. As if that makes her actually responsible. It's like, no, Veronica, you're still the kid. Yeah. And Alice is still the adult here. The adult in the situation still encouraged you to go do a break and enter. So like, just because it was apparently your idea
0: first does not make it okay.
2: That's like saying, Archie, I came on to Mrs. Grundy first. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which also wasn't true. But I feel like that definitely reminded me of that scene with Archie and Grundy and how he was trying to protect her and claim that their relationship was real and he was really into her and whatever. Jughead, then we see him calling his mom in a payphone because in the previous episode, FP had mentioned maybe going to move to Toledo to live with Jellybean and his mom. And so he calls and he's like, oh mom, I got a bus ticket to see you guys. And, And you can tell, you don't hear the mom side of the conversation, but you can tell that she's not thrilled about this because he's, you know, oh, well, I can sleep on the couch or oh, okay. I Yeah, I understand. And I, I think there was some really good acting by Cole in this scene. You could tell that it's someone who's upset, but trying not to show it, you know, trying to hold back tears while, while his life is falling apart. This b- literally broke my heart.
1: The fact that his mom could be like, yeah, don't come when literally his dad just got arrested. Where the hell is he supposed to go? I hate her.
0: Yeah, I mean, legally, I feel like she's not allowed to send him away. I mean, assuming that she is still legal guardian of his well it's not like he actually
2: showed up on the doorstep though so she's not i guess sending him away and he didn't say if you don't let me in then i'm gonna go somewhere else but he also didn't say hey dad got arrested so i'm gonna come stay with you for a little bit so he didn't really explain the whole situation very well
1: yeah that's true yeah but i feel like he knows her better than we do that probably wouldn't have helped
0: she probably would have been like police involvement stay away he is just upset and doesn't know what to do, so he goes back to the bus station and just asks to switch his ticket for whatever the next available bus is, which is actually they say to Citrusville, Florida and I didn't catch this the first time I saw the show, but Citrusville, Florida is a fictional city in the Everglades that's actually from Marvel Comics, and so they use that sometimes in in different comics, and if people know, Archie Comics also did superhero stories as well. Citrusville, Florida is where the creature man thing is said to reside. So if you know anything about man thing, I don't. I heard that they try. I bet they do. Those those men things. So everyone goes back out searching for Jughead and this is another part of the episode that I forgot. Betty and Veronica and Archie go out and look for Jughead, go home, put their pajamas on, and then leave again and go back and look for him in the same night. I don't know why we needed that whole transition. It shows that they're real committed friends, I guess. This show just really makes me feel like I need some or satin pajamas. Oh, I love them. I just actually recently got a pair. You did? What color are they? Are they midnight blue like Veronica's? Or are they red like Cheryl's? They're actually very pale pink. Oh, it's classic classic Betty style. They were, they're were they super cute and it's fine. Yeah. So we also get a little bit here of Veronica and Hermione talking and Hermione is kind of just like, even though she had denied that her husband was involved with Jason's murder, now she's realizing that FP being in jail is really not good for her and that they are known associates. And if Hiram did have something to do with this, they should probably get get their passports together and be prepared to run away, which is just such a flawed plan.
1: Well, and also she makes a comment about like, I bribed the mayor, which yes, that's bad. And she's like, I I forged your signature and I just want to go back. She is Veronica's legal guardian. She can absolutely sign on Veronica's behalf.
0: That was not illegal. Well, I think we talked about this at the time. But like I know that she's her legal guardian So she can sign for her But I don't know legally with In in terms of businesses Where Veronica and Hermione are both On the board of a business If one person can just sign for the Like that seems like a loophole Yeah but it's again Veronica's a minor And Hermione is her mother I feel like Veronica should not be allowed To be on that document in the first place Absolutely Anyway They go to Pops And they find that Jughead is there And they inform him what they know About the gun not being in the trail and he seems mildly relieved and now we are actually into the episode and have some some new information because all of that that first several minutes was pretty much already covered in the previous episode information wise this episode is really split up into two major plot lines we've got some fallout to do with the blossoms from the entire season and we have more into the investigation of fp jones now that he is officially in jail and you know responsible he's for the murder. he's been charged with murder yes right In terms of the Blossoms, if you guys don't remember, Polly is still living there because she's she's a spy. She's doing a great job investigating them. Like, she's given us so much information and help and you know, she's found the wigs and that was really crucial information.
2: Her deadline was homecoming, but then she got drugged so she wasn't actually able to go home when she was supposed to.
0: Which, to be fair, was like the previous day so I kind of understand why they haven't gone to get her yet, but theoretically she probably should have come home once she woke up and realized she was drugged. Like, that seems like a little bit of a gap in the story that we didn't get. Her reaction to waking up. Did they just tell her that she was tired and fell asleep?
2: It's the pregnancy. She
0: just Oh, sure. The
2: the tiredness overwhelmed her. They can they could lie that
1: off.
0: Yeah, they could probably get away with that. Yeah, too. Polly seems like someone who maybe is not educated on uh what all she's supposed to be doing while pregnant. Yeah, she's getting a daily milkshake instead of prenatal vitamins. Yeah. Maybe they're ground up in the milkshake. Ew. I, look, I don't know. I don't know what pre- natal vitamins taste like. Maybe they would taste better in a milkshake. Everything tastes better mm. in a milkshake, right? Yeah. Uh-
1: about that.
2: Maybe not, maybe not something. I don't think I would like pickles if they were in a milkshake.
1: Yeah. Wait, but you don't like pickles? No. Well, I like pickles. But probably not in a like, milkshake. Like not even a dill pickle? No. Do you have Chick-fil-A in Canada? I don't know, but I wouldn't eat there anyways. You don't know. Okay, but Chick-fil-A. You would know if you had Chick-fil-A in Canada. I think that there's like a couple in like major centers right, I'm and like at an up. airport. It's not a common,
2: it's not everywhere. Anyways, they have chicken sandwiches that have pickles on them, and I despise it even if the pickles are on the sandwich because it gets soaked into the bread and the chicken breading. So it's just like the flavor of pickles is now a no-go. Hmm.
0: Oh, interesting. So Chick-fil-A is not in Canada yet or maybe just is. They, I think it's only in like a couple locations. I think yeah. there's actually
1: one in the Calgary airport.
0: It looks like heading north to Toronto to open its first international location in Canada in early 2019. I don't know when this article was written. <laughs> the goal is to open 15 restaurants yes. in greater Toronto. When we record this
2: episode because it's the 12th week of 2019.
0: It was written in July. So, oh no, July 2018. So maybe there are a few now. I think there actually is one in the Calgary airport. Anyway, I just feel like you should have known if there were some or not. That's fine.
1: (laughs) So we have Penelope
2: and the Blossoms at their breakfast table and Clifford mentions that he went to the station and looked the killer in the eye. So we have some eerily things going on at the Blossom house.
1: I don't think that should be allowed. Why not? Like, I don't think that the, like, father of the murder victim should get to visit the charged murderer in
0: a room without, like, oh, heavy, I definitely, heavy guard. yeah, I definitely don't think that he should be allowed like alone in there. And it was kind of unclear because they they do a lot of like flashbacks and and like hidden scenes that they show us in this episode throughout it, and it's hard to tell sometimes. Like, is Clifford just sitting there at a table with FP with no one else in the room? Is he actually on the other side of a glass window? Like, it's it's kind of hard to tell. It sometimes. seemed
1: like he was like fully in an interrogation room with him alone, which just doesn't seem like it should be allowed.
2: But Clifford also has a lot of control in the town or at least influence, right? Because mm-hmm. there's been other things where people have wanted Sheriff to take some action on the Blossoms, but he's hesitated to do so.
0: Yeah. So Clifford definitely has some pull above what a normal citizen should have. So this is the first time that Polly is hearing that FP has been arrested and you can tell that she doesn't really buy it. And she kind of says like, oh, it's him. It's not Uh, like she thinks that she has suspicions that it's someone else so she doesn't seem to completely buy it and then later on I think the the next evening or so Betty hears a noise downstairs in her house and she goes downstairs and there's this this really great moment with Alice because Alice is just she's top notch this whole episode pretty much and Betty comes down and, and hears a noise and she runs into Alice who's there just with a gun and they both are creeping down into their basement trying to figure out what this noise is and it's Hal who I presume is still sleeping at the office maybe and he's breaking into their basement to get the files that he stole from Sheriff Keller. Which, why would he keep the files at his house instead of at the newspaper where it could potentially be
2: helpful for breaking a story?
1: Because yeah. I don't think he wanted them for breaking a story. I think he wanted them for his own protection.
0: Yeah, it's a little confusing why, when he was kicked out of the house, why he didn't take them, but I guess he figured well, at Because he this had to point... get out
1: now.
2: He yeah, didn't have I a think... chance to pack his stuff up.
0: <laughs> well, he's been back a couple times, but I, I feel like... Probably he thought that the that them being in the Cooper family household was fine because they weren't really connected to this murder in any way, uh, with the exception of Polly being Jason's baby mama. Maybe, maybe only now he's coming back. And so they question him and they ask why you stole them in the first place. And at this point, they also know that FP has confessed to being the one to stealing these files. I kind
2: of felt like Alice was playing a little bit dumb here so that like slow viewers weren't missing anything. It's like, wait, yeah. how did you... You have the files because FP already confessed to stealing them and then Betty comes in with an attempt to convince her mom that maybe he also didn't murder Jason by saying why would he confess to something he didn't do it's like there's there's a couple things that are missing in FP's confession
1: well otherwise everything is tied up too neatly in a bow right
2: <laughs> too tidy
0: they're definitely trying to spell it out for the audience because at this point in the episode we've seen yeah that FP has has admitted to doing several things some of which we as an audience know he did do and some of which we don't know for a fact we'll get to that in a uh, little bit later but yeah i love i love hal just saying like yeah well i don't know why he would admit to that because uh it was definitely me and he (laughs) said that he was he was worried about the investigation getting linked back to polly somehow if they discovered the connection between their families and betty's like oh you mean the fact that cheryl's grandfather killed your grandfather or i guess uh clifford's grandfather killed your grandfather he's like oh well You know, they didn't just, it wasn't just that one killed the other. It was the fact that they were related. They were brothers in the first place. Yeah,
1: so now we get the huge jaw-dropping moment that Polly's great-grandfather and Jason's great-grandfather were brothers, which makes them some kind of cousin.
0: Yeah, because you can't have a show nowadays without a little bit of incest, right?
1: I mean, at least Riverdale plays it more safe in this situation with it being like distant-ish cousins rather than brother and sister. Yeah, I think That's Still like not third good cousins or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have the family tree in front of me. It's certainly not something that would ever be illegal. Not that that makes it
0: okay, because there's lots right. of places where marrying
1: your first cousin is legal, which I don't think is cool.
0: It's also one of the few shows filmed, you know, around this time that handles incest. I think in a, in a more realistic way. If they're all kind of grossed out by it and a little bit like, oh yikes, this is not good. And then they realize on top of that that because this episode's really heavy on the hinting of what's going on and they realize that wow if Hal, you know wanted to have Polly get an abortion and then eventually send her away to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy just to keep her and Jason apart what might the blossoms have done or might what, what might you know might they do to Polly to keep them apart so that's a pretty big pretty big hint here of what's happening
1: well it's also a, a big hint when they show up at the blossoms house in the middle of the night yeah they decide could not wait right away until they the need
0: to go get
2: Polly
1: it's about the kids, yeah.
2: So Alice and they
1: have to go right now.
2: Bangs on the door and barges in, yelling for Polly to come out. And we have some pretty heated discussion between Penelope, who says that uh, Polly chose to stay with the mentally stable family. So we get some back and forth between the two families. So what did we guys think about this interaction?
0: Yeah, I loved, I loved Alice again. Like she's, like I said, just feeling herself this whole episode. She barges in, sorry to disrupt the witching hour at Thornhill, and um, and Penelope's really creepy and it's like, oh, nothing could be mu- more purely Blossom than those babies, which is just that's disgusting. Great. And Alice points out that all of this may be somehow related to FP's murder confession, which has a few gaping holes in it. And I'm not really sure why she's bringing that up because the gaping holes mostly have to do with Hal so far at this point, but I guess, uh, I guess she's just starting to question everything. And then Penelope yells at Betty because Betty basically accuses her of being the one to kill Jason, which is a very common thing I think in a lot of mysteries of like all of the characters accusing the person who's close to being the murderer but not quite and they deny it so much and they have such a easy time denying it because they weren't actually the one to to commit the murder or do you know do the crime so Penelope is coming across more genuine here when she's saying that she's not wasn't the one to have to have killed her son. and
1: I just love Betty's response of just like you know what I don't think so and this is all gonna get out and I just yeah I thought I think Betty Betty and Alice are really good this episode. Yeah, she really, really is.
0: And so they manage to get Polly out and Polly comes home and that's pretty much all we see of Polly for the rest of the episode. There's a small scene of Betty and Polly hanging out. and Yeah, a little bit.
2: Like a really tiny one. They're like, They're oh, I'm just so happy you're head. home, but everything else is crazy. Yeah, that's basically it.
0: And then later on, Cheryl, where things are kind of clunking into place in her brain, Cheryl asks Penelope, you know, finally hits her like, hey, remember a couple days ago when dad was like talking about how Jason couldn't handle? The business and couldn't stomach it and he ran away. Like, what were they fighting about anyway? Why did why did Jason want to leave? It's like the first time that Cheryl has really been registering. Like, hey, my brother was trying to run away from this family. What what was that all about? And Penelope says that Jason didn't want to be part of the business and the family, and Cheryl's like, Why? What was it he couldn't handle? What was Jason running from? Was he was he mad about the business or or daddy or you? And Penelope just kind of snaps and like grabs Cheryl by the arms and drags her out to a barn with all the maple syrup barrels and just kind of like this is why this is the sticky truth of what he was running from maple syrup drown yourself in it why don't you it truly doesn't make any sense it's completely incomprehensible yeah i think I think it's all kind of just showing that, like, Penelope really doesn't have a clue what's going on. And she's probably just sad that her son wanted to get away from the family and probably blames a lot of problems based on their very lucrative business. Well, and what was
2: crazy about the scene is they actually did a pretty good job with the editing as far as really building the suspense. And then as Penelope is dragging Cheryl, because it's splashing back and forth with another scene of Betty and Jughead. And as she's dragging Cheryl, you really think think that you're we're gonna get to know some big secret here but it's not really revealed until later and what's ironic is that there is some secrets hidden in those maple syrup barrels
0: yes which made me question how much penelope really did know or did not know anyway so that's most of what we get from the blossoms until the end of the episode so the majority of the episode is following fp being in jail his confessions and the murder investigation in general so fp tells his story to sheriff keller in the question about what happened last summer. And I think it's very important when watching this, and I noticed this the first time, when you're watching mysteries, always question anything that someone says, but that you don't actually see. If you're given flashbacks or flash forwards or whatever, and there's part of the story that you get a flashback from and part of the story that you just hear someone say, probably that part of the story is not true. Don't trust anything unless you get proof, basically. So FP talks about how last summer, Jason came up to him at the White Worm and explained that he was planning on running away with his pregnant girlfriend and asked for a getaway car and some cash and FP agreed as long as Jason made a drug delivery for him. I really appreciate the fact that they also specified that it was just weed and not like something else. And, and so while all this is happening and FP's telling the story we're getting flashbacks of this happening. FP says that he realized that Jason was Cliff Blossom's son and he thought that he could use Jason to maybe get some more money from the Blossoms. So Jason told FP his plan about rowing across the river, faking his death, etc. Not sure why Jason told FP this, but whatever. And FP says that he decided to grab him once he made it across the river and took him to the basement of the White Worm to hold him for ransom. All of this, for the most part, we're getting footage of. We don't directly see him, like, tie Jason up or drag him to the basement, but we are getting, you know, flashbacks of of Jason rowing across the river and Cheryl crying and stuff. FP then says that before he could get a word to Clifford, Jason tried to escape. FP shot him and put him in the freezer. The only part of this we see is the part where FP's putting him in the freezer or not even putting him in the freezer but opening the freezer and seeing that he's in there
2: the other thing is that the sheriff fills in the detail and says and that's when you shot him and stuffed him in the freezer and fp yes. nods to it
1: right he doesn't even say it himself he just nods, which is i i don't think that's appropriate interrogation
0: methods probably not yeah i didn't love how sheriff keller also just started this by saying oh what possessed you to do this you're a horrible person it was very opinionated in the beginning well
1: it's also the thing you'll often see in crime dramas and interrogation where the cops will come in like we know you did this just tell us how like we're going to figure it out anyways that kind of thing and i think that that's the same kind of vibe that keller was yeah. bringing even though he would li- he was already getting
0: the confession so it didn't need to be quite those same words right so i think it's very important to to pay attention to what part fp is actually saying what part he's just agreeing to and what part you're actually getting the flashback for because the thing we definitely do not see is fp shooting jason and putting him into the freezer we just see him looking at Jason in the freezer. He then says that he dumped the body in the river, and we just see a shot of the river. And then FP says that he broke into Sheriff Keller's house and stole the files, and then went out and torched the car that had the evidence the getaway car. We see him torching the car. We do not see him breaking into Sheriff Keller's house and stealing the files because, as we find out later, that was Hal Cooper. So that's really the big one from the episode of a direct thing we know FP is lying about. And I think that we already
2: knew that Hal had the files because in a previous episode we see him with something from the murder
1: board
0: yeah i see it that's the other thing is i was pretty sure that we knew that but then i couldn't remember because i know when i was watching it, my sister she acted like she couldn't remember having seen that it doesn't mean it didn't happen it just <laughs> means that she didn't remember it but it's definitely possible that we saw something earlier on hinting that hal had taken the files so the kids all show up to jail right after that and they tell sheriff keller that fp's innocent and keller's like yeah well he just confessed so uh nice try there and that's it's you know it's not looking good at this point in the episode for F.P. Jones. And then they had a really great scene where they go to school. What did you think of this scene Hannah?
2: I thought this scene was pretty good especially when Jughead actually shows up right because they mentioned that he's down at the station being questioned. We have some shots fired a little bit at Sheriff Keller saying you know how could he let this happen but Kevin's there to kind of defend his dad and I can't remember if it's in the scene but he also defends his boyfriend because yeah they suggest that another serpent could have planted the gun.
0: Yeah Betty mentions that her mom is suspicious vicious of Joaquin and and FP because she knows that they're friendly. Yeah, so it's definitely getting heated between the group. Okay, here's the thing.
1: Why the hell is Jughead coming to school today? Take the day off. And why is Cheryl coming to school today? Take the day off. There are so many times where we see Cheryl going to school where it's like, you
0: should not be there today. Well, okay. So in terms of Jughead, I think it's mostly just that Jughead hasn't done anything. Like, his dad has been, you know, uh, has confessed to a murder. But besides like the inner turmoil, which well yeah no but like fair. he hasn't
1: done anything however just like that's got to be a lot to be handling
0: and dealing with don't go to school on that day yeah like, that's not gonna help and and i mean it seems it seems like the other people don't you know are also surprised that he came to school
2: i can understand jughead not coming but i think cheryl it honestly is better to be at school than to be at home with her terrible parents
0: well true and i mean for cheryl it's not like they've just discovered her brother has died they all they did was reveal Yeah, some but i feel
1: like it's the thing where when you the when someone in your family gets murdered, I feel like the more information, like, when pivotal information comes out, I feel like those are the days where it really is going to hit you hard. It just is weird to me that she's there. Like, maybe being at home isn't good for her, but she should have gone somewhere else then. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, Jughead goes and apologizes to her, which is... I think his heart's in the right place. I do think yeah, probably a little too soon to be doing something like this. And Cheryl slaps him and then sort of punches him a lot. But it's not really it's not like very violent or doing a lot of damage. It's more just her letting out some anger and frustration. So I understand. I sympathize. And, and, and Betty speaks with Cheryl and Cheryl's like, you know and this is, this is another big glue we have in the episode is that Cheryl explains that people keep celebrating with her and hugging her and coming up to her and talking about how relieved she must be that her brother's killer has been caught and that the nightmare is finally over. But she says she doesn't feel like it's over yet and that's obvious foreshadowing because the real killer has not been caught and she's still living in a nightmare she just doesn't know it yet she always has been (laughs) yeah and then there's like a short scene here just to add a little bit more uh, you know turmoil for Jughead yeah drama with with uh with the school calling Fred and saying that Jughead should probably finish the semester at home and Archie and Fred argue a little bit over what's best for Jughead because it's really not his fault that any of this is happening and Fred's kind of like oh but the Jones family like they're they're just bad news and and it actually reminded me a lot of in Boy Meets World where Mr. Matthews tries to tell Corey that maybe maybe Sean's not a great friend because the Hunter family has just sort of things like this that follow them around not to the same extent because I don't think there's any murder in Boy Meets World I could be wrong I don't think there's any murder in Boy Meets World <laughs> uh, there's a lot of weird actually there is murder in Boy Meets World but it's during the Halloween episodes i'm not sure it counts i can't remember if it was all a hallucination or not or if kenny really died but anyway
2: what's upsetting is that we know that jughead is trying to do better and that fp yeah you know made the appearance that he was trying to do better right by cleaning up and everything uh, but it, it all seemed to to be for not or at least that was the facade that was being passed off yeah. but we see that he overhears this conversation and says i'm gonna sleep in the garage tonight <laughs> Which is uh, would you guys choose to sleep in the garage if you
0: <laughs> I mean if you have nowhere else to go but you're like I-, I feel a little uncomfortable like being in the same room with someone when you know that I mean it's the same reason like when people fight with their significant others and want to sleep on the couch or something. It's like Yeah, but I sleeping on a couch is a lot more comfortable than sleeping in a
1: garage. Oftentimes garages aren't heated at I all. I feel like though. that garage has like carpets all over the walls and the
2: floor and stuff. Archie also yeah, wasn't the one warm. who was talking poorly of Jughead. He was more so defending right. him. saying, you know, we need to look out for him. But I mean, Fred also brought up some good points that they can't be the long-term solution because Jughead is not, Fred is not Jughead's legal guardian. So it's like, yeah I know sometimes kids can fantasize about certain things like that, especially if this is supposedly your best friend and you want them to move in and be like closer brothers. But there's definitely some unrealistic uh, ideas coming from Archie, which is so shocking, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And pretty sure there was a Boy Meets World plot that was very similar with Sean living with uh, Matthew's family. Sean and Jughead,
1: just two peas in a pod. The other thing too is when they have the conversation about Archie possibly moving to Chicago, it's just so awkward and weird. Well, because
2: they're using it as a threat. It's a part of their fight, which is why it's uncomfortable because it's not like it's something they actually discussed. It was just something that Fred overheard. Maybe you should go to Chicago. Right.
0: So Mary Andrews then talks with Jughead and says, you know, oh yeah, I pretended to be FP's attorney and I got a bunch of information and talked with him, says that F.P. is still sticking to his story and that things aren't going well. She asks who Joaquin DeSantos is because that is revealed to be F.P.'s one phone call. Uh, She advises Jughead to go talk to F.P. because once he's moved to another prison or move forward in this trial, then it's probably going to be harder to contact him. And so Jughead goes and talks with F.P. in jail, but F.P. is still sticking with his story and sort of yells at Jughead and tells him not to visit again. And Jughead thinks it's pretty obvious that FP is lying about something or hiding something. This
2: was the second part that I thought there was pretty good acting, or at least reactionary, the facial expressions, because you could tell that Jughead is questioning what FP is telling him at the end of the scene.
0: Yeah, definitely. You can tell that. And also, I think the a- the acting from Skeet Ulrich is pretty good here with the, uh, you know, listen, boy, boy, <laughs> don't come back here.
2: I think your FP impression is uh just as bad as your Betty impression.
0: Oh, come on. <laughs> No, I think it's a little better. Yeah, okay, thanks. Yeah, A little. Your face wasn't conveying that, but... <laughs> it's I'll...
1: not. The thing is, is that it's not hard to be better.
2: <clears throat> so then we talk a little Archie. bit about Joaquin calling. Joaquin calling, being the one phone call. And everyone just thinks it's weird. What do you
1: guys think?
0: <laughs> yeah, Archie's like, oh, it's weird. And Veronica says, well, what does Betty think? Archie's well, she thinks it's weird.
1: Because <laughs> it's weird. Like, there's no logical reason for it to have been
0: him. Yeah, I mean... Do you ever see me with this hat off? That's weird. <laughs> I'm a weird kid. I'm just not wired that way. I'm not I think wired we're watching to Riverdale
2: too much that we're able to quote it this easily.
0: <laughs> it's about the kids. <laughs> I mean, so. But those Andrews
2: men—they try. <laughs> they do try. <laughs>
0: So um, yeah, they they talk about this and they, they eventually corner Joaquin and I love the whole. They have Joaquin like sitting in a chair and they're all standing around him questioning him like Joaquin, why did you agree to this? At least Joaquin's not tied to the chair. Oh gosh, yeah.
1: Maybe he is and we just can't tell.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, his feet are tied. We don't know what like, he's there's into. There could be a zip tie. Oh okay,
1: yeah. Maybe his shoelaces are just tied together. Maybe so it's hard for him to. So run if away. he stands up, he'll just
0: fall over. Right. So he's like, oh yeah. F- FP killed Jason. I mean, probably. Like I just assumed he did, because he says he got a call on July 11th in the middle of the night from FP. And July 11th, I'm pretty sure, is the date that they said way back in like episode two or three. That was the date that they thought. I thought they said it was. Jason was killed. It's it's around there. This is like much closer to his actual death date than July 4th. Right. Where
1: again, I'm sure we've already talked about this, but with him having been frozen for a while, it's probably actually pretty tough for them to to tell when the actual death date was.
0: Well, just, I mean, he was frozen and then in a lake and then out of the lake. We don't know how long he was in the lake for. <laughs> we we don't know
1: the timeline on how fast he was put into the freezer in the first place. We don't know how long between getting taken out of the freezer and put into the lake there was. We don't know how long he was really in the lake necessarily. There's a lot of information forensically that we don't have about Jason Blossom's body to be able to definitively say a date.
2: But we have the really creepy question coroner who's really good at his job.
1: Right, with those small bills. Doctor Curdle uh Kirtle. is not I don't think he's <laughs> I don't think he's able to
0: overtake the laws of science. Yeah.
2: It's all those small bills he has. It just feeds his brain.
0: When you get murdered, I think the way it works is that you have like one of those little stamper things. What? And it has the date on it and you just like <laughs> set it and you stamp at the bottom of their foot <laughs> to make it easier on the people later. Like a library.
2: Like the due date for a library. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah, there's actually a card in Jason's back pocket that says the date of his death and the signature of his killer. It makes it a lot easier to solve murder. I think yeah. that
2: was left in his jacket, so they couldn't find it till later. That's why uh, all this confusion is happening. Exactly. Yeah, uh, got
0: it, got it. So anyway, so Joaquin says that he was called on July 11th in the middle of the night. He was called from by FP and that FP needed help with a cleanup job in the basement of the White Worm, which supposedly is a place that you're not allowed to go to. No one is allowed no one. in the basement of the White Worm. Right.
2: Which is like, why is there a basement then?
0: Especially since, I mean, I don't think FP or this other guy we're going to find out later, Mustang, I don't think either of them own the white worms or work there. So I'm not it's exactly sure. It's the serpent headquarters. The serpents get what they want there. Okay, but I would just assume that at least the owner of the white worm would also have access to the basement. They just don't nope. mention him.
1: They're probably also a serpent and they just okay. do what
0: FP says. All right. Well, anyway, so he goes down there and he sees the dead body. And that he assumed FP killed him, but he never asked. And he helped clean up the mess, got rid of the evidence, stashed the body. And during this flashback, we see a weird clip of FP covering up a camera that was in the basement.
1: And I've got a question, not about the camera, but about Joaquin. Why is that the person that you asked to help clean up a- Why are you asking a 15-year-old boy to help you clean up a murder? Are there no adult serpents that he could be contacting? Joaquin is just- It's the- It's the blue eyes he draws you in yeah he's a child I'm sorry I would not ask a child no matter their gang involvement to help me clean up a murder because even still like a teenage boy is not
0: going to be detail oriented enough to fully clean up a murder maybe it's
2: the ability for FP to manipulate
0: him yeah he he probably knows that that Joaquin is scared and yeah but FP is like presumably important shouldn't he be able to get
1: someone else like there has to be an adult serpent that he could trust more I think that they
0: will probably Solve some of these questions by season two, uh, and they well, have. We're not more watching time. that yet. I think. I think maybe <laughs> and it's we've that never watched it. Yes, I have only watched it once, and I don't remember it that well. I think that maybe Joaquin is like a stand-in for Jughead, since Jughead's not a serpent. Maybe oh. FP like thinks that Joaquin I reminds actually, really his son. like that maybe idea. Maybe he's like, well, Yeah, maybe he's I like taking because in that I'm way.
1: sorry, if someone <laughs> reminds you of your kid. Why do you
0: want to expose them to a murder scene? No, but I just think maybe like we don't know. Maybe they're closer than we kn- when yeah, than we the- think.
2: And, There's that bond that's there and that yeah. amount of trust that you trust him
1: yeah. like anyways, a son. Anyways, it's messed up. I he mean, should trust a, someone his own age, like a brother, to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, anyway, so Joaquin says that only one other time because Veronica's asking, like, oh, well, do you know anything about my dad involved with this? Because Veronica's sort of opinion is like, sorry, Jughead, your dad's probably guilty. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, we, we still need to figure this out about him. She thinks
2: that it's, 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 it's a correlation right so if Hiram's involved then FP's involved and there could be you know if we know that FP's involved then Hiram's involved so that's where it's like we're trying to figure I this guess. out but I think you know honestly Veronica is just thinking about herself and she just wants yeah. to fi- get her answer question her question so answered
0: Veronica only thinking about herself I know shocking, shocking. <laughs> so she asks, she asked Joaquin if he had ever heard like her dad's name mentioned or anything and Joaquin says you know I never heard your dad's name but I did one time over here Mustang and FP, talk about the rich guy, and Mustang was the only other person who knew about the cleanup job. So, and just so happens to be the person that
2: Archie tried to pick a fight with in the White Worm.
0: Right. Well, there's only like three serpents, so I guess that makes <laughs> sense. Uh, three named serpents at the very least. So Kevin, Veronica, Archie, and Joaquin try to go talk to Mustang because there's a little bit of a trail to follow there. And uh, Mustang, as it turns out, has conveniently OD'd in his apartment. In his bathtub. Yep. Unclear of. What whether or not this was a murder. I think by the end of the episode, we're led to believe that this was probably not a real OD, probably.
1: I feel like when you... See someone OD in the bathtub? That's an indication that it probably wasn't actually an OD. Too clean, too tidy. It's just like I don't know. I, I it just seems like a weird place to do drugs. But well, I I don't do drugs, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think also the the real reason that we're gonna hear you know from Alice later that they think that this was a little bit too convenient was that they just happened to also find a bag full of money in the apartment with H L on it, who the sheriff immediately thinks is Hermione Lodge. And Veronica says, Oh no. That's a, that's a Hiram Lodge. He was doing business with the serpents. And Hermione's like, oh my God, Veronica, shut up.
2: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> stop,
0: stop revealing all our secrets right now. This is not, we don't, we need to be involved. And so while all that's happening and all the kids are being dragged back home to their with, by their respective parents, Joaquin talks to Kevin. Joaquin's skipping town, going to the fourth episode of Black Mirror, San Junipero. And he's giving some more information to Kevin right before he leaves, right after they have a nice little passionate goodbye kiss, Joaquin tells Kevin that there was something else. Some other bit of information that he was too afraid to mention when all the other people were around, but here he goes. Which doesn't make any sense because
2: it's like, okay, if you tell Kevin now, it's not like Kevin's gonna withhold that information from his friends. So what's the difference of saying it when other people are around? Because
0: now he's getting on a bus. Yeah, I think Joaquin Uh. at least won't be around to, you know, whatever the fallout may be. Meanwhile, Jughead and Betty talk and Jughead informs Betty about his trip to the prison, says that FP has been lying to him his whole life, but he's never been any good at it, so he's definitely hiding something. And this is when we go back to the murder board, and they're ruling out suspects. They go, okay, we can rule out Hal and Hermione, because we know what their motivations have been this whole time for acting a little sketchy. Hermione has, you know, been buying up property and, you know, doing some work with the serpents, and Hal was trying to protect uh, Polly from the whole incest deal. And that just leaves Hiram Lodge and Clifford and Penelope Blossom as main suspects. Alice shows up, tells Betty and Jughead about Mustang death and how it links to Hiram and that this is all a little bit too tidy which kind of rules Hiram out from being one of the suspects here. And right then Betty gets a call from Kevin with some more info. So they all go meet up again back in the garage. What is it? I guess Archie's Archie's garage. And Kevin takes Betty and Jughead to go find the jacket that is stashed by the old maple sign I guess which is the same place I think where the, the car, car was, was The torched. Yeah. yeah. The getaway car. And so apparently this is what FP had called Joaquina about during his one phone call, which was that this was some contingency plan, and FP said, "Don't follow through with the contingency plan. It's too dangerous, etc., etc." The gang all looks at the jacket, and they like, figure out which is, and this is the same Letterman's jacket that we found in FP's apartment. And he was the he trailer. looked at it longingly, almost like he was
1: actually looking at for what was in the pocket. Right.
0: Yeah. Because as we all know, when you get a hole in your pocket and you lose your chapstick in the lining of your uh, thing. Okay, Betty's like, oh, this always happens to me. Then sew up your freaking pocket or or put the chapstick in the other pocket.
1: Also like, like how many chapsticks are in the lining of her jacket? Like <laughs> does she fish them out or are there just like 25 chapsticks just hanging out? <laughs>
0: I hope that's the game.
2: So Veronica also comes up with the fact, you know, has to show that she has money by mentioning a uh, orc or my Mont Blanc, which I looked up because I was like, you, is this a close yeah, by no this
1: That's a fancy um fountain yeah, pen. Yeah, it's like yeah.
2: 200 to $400 for a pen. What
1: the heck? What do people...
2: Okay, but anyways.
1: And I also just guarantee you that Veronica also doesn't know how to write properly with a fountain pen anyways. (laughs) Or, like, like, why is she putting it in her pocket and not, like, in her purse A pocket with a hole nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, any pocket is not the place for a fountain pen. A fountain pen is, like, the most likely pen to leak
0: everywhere. Yeah, and and she has the money for a $200 pen but not the money to fix a hole in a jacket. (sighs) That seems ridiculous. Anyway, so, what's in the jacket? It, it's a USB.
2: Honestly, at first it just looks like a small like piece of aluminum. It does not look like a USB.
0: Yeah, it's one of those really tiny USBs. What's in the pocket? A jewel. So they take that <laughs> out and, and charge it. And charge it, right? And then have a party. No, they watch it. And now what did you think about the way that this scene was filmed and edited? It was so dramatic.
2: Really dramatic. And they definitely just wanted you to feel something but not know the whole information. But it's just one of those things where with Riverdale, we get that instant gratification where you know at the beginning of this episode we think it's fp we think everything's tied up in a bow but at the end we learn that it is clifford and you know at first we don't really see the reactions but you know five minutes later we see the reactions with the video so it's just like why do we go through this first question it's also
1: so weird too because when we do eventually get to see what's on the video kind of interspersed with the reactions we see that betty like immediately starts crying before we actually even see anything
2: yeah the reactions seem too dramatic well, for the video, but maybe it's more powerful when you're actually figuring it out.
0: I think it's it's powerful to know that like they know Jason is dead, but that's a little different than like watching, watching a video of a murder. Yeah. yeah, but like she starts crying from the first scene. I don't know. I guess she's just proud
1: of herself. I, I mean, maybe she's well, crying because she sees Jason tied up. I don't know. I guess
2: I guess even though they found the USB, they didn't know what would be on it, and so now seeing Jason tied up, they can kind of deduce that they're about to watch Jason be killed.
0: Right. And and Betty is the only one smart enough here to like, oh, yeah, my friend slash cousin Cheryl is still living with this person who has killed her brother. So she calls Cheryl and tells her to get out of the house. Now, for the ending of the episode, which kind of jumps back and forth through a lot of different things, Cheryl comes downstairs very dramatically, because after she hangs up the phone with Betty and just says, you know, I understand. She walks down the stairs, very composed, goes to stand behind. And her behind, boots are beautiful, <laughs> also, just for the record. I want them. Flawless in a black leather miniskirt. When she goes down to the table,
2: did you guys... I still questioned whether or not she was going to uh, try to defend her parents in some way, or if she was actually going to react to The minute
1: them. she, like, stood behind. Penelope, like that, I kind of was like, oh, like, oh crap, this is really happening. And then she, in the creepiest way possible, says, You've done a bad thing, daddy, and now everyone knows. <laughs> That's yeah. not an impression, just for the record. Uh, okay, because <laughs> I realized that if I try, if, if people thought it was that's a robot. Probably one, no.
2: sounded like a good umbrage impression. If
1: I had to give it I I could give a really good umbridge, yeah. probably, which is not something to be proud of. <laughs> She's like so creepy. Why is she still calling him daddy? She also called Fred Daddy. She
2: just uses the phrase daddy.
1: Yeah, but like calling Fred daddy it makes sense because he is a river daddy, but she should not be calling her own father daddy. Especially because he wears wigs. He he's cause he's
0: not a daddy. It's not at all. just that good it's you should not be calling your father daddy in the same sentence as being like by the way I know you killed my brother that's weird so also why didn't she just leave
2: why is she still there I
0: think because she wanted to you know like uh, accuse him face to face and see what his response would be she also could have been worried about her mom yeah I think that's probably part of it I mean I know she doesn't have the best relationship with her mom but still her mom it's still her mom yeah so then we see Alice gives the USB to Mayor McCoy and Sheriff Keller to watch FP being while still being charged with lots of crimes, including you know what, disposing the body, hiding evidence, I don't know, There's probably it was tampering with evidence,
2: obstruction of justice, mishandling a body, perjury, and that was just off the top of Sheriff Keller's head.
0: Right. So he's, I mean, he's definitely not like innocent. Innocent. We do find out he was being blackmailed, at least for the end of this. The part that I'm still a little bit not clear of is with FP's story of did FP really deduce that Jason was Clifford's son and hold him for ransom? Or did Clifford find out that Jason was running away before this happened and then inform FP, hey, I want you to hold him. I think it's likely the second one. I kind of believe it was the second one. And that's what
2: Mustang and FP were talking about when they referenced the rich guy. The rich guy was Clifford.
0: Yeah, I think it's more believable that maybe, I'm sure FP, you know, would have been happy to get some money out of this. But I think, like he said before, he's not a killer. He's not perfect, but he's not a killer. And I don't think that he would have held a kid.
1: FP did have the the agreement with Jason, where Jason... Jason was going to do a drug run to get money so that he could escape. FP finds out that Jason is Clifford's son and thinks, hey, can I get more money from Clifford to stop Jason from doing this? And then when Clifford finds out the plan, Clifford's like, oh, hell no, I'm going to do a murder. And then he like strings FP into it probably by being like, hey, you are complicit in this drug run. If you don't do as I say, blah, 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 we'll do whatever. And then it, it kind of goes from there.
2: Well, and I know it's a little bit different, but also just going back to what FP did when Arch and the like Kevin and stuff were in the White Worm. It's just like going back and telling Fred. So I think they're even though FP has some sketchy things that he's done, he still wants to do the right thing. And I, I don't know if he would have gone to Clifford about the fact that his son was coming to him or not. Or, you know, like you said, just trying to get more money out of Clifford. But I think a part of him wants to do the right thing and protect children, maybe.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure if we're ever going to be yeah, yeah, whatever those medical bills were. I'm not sure if we're ever going to get the complete answer at least in this season, but I I definitely think that... I like to believe that FP may have been doing some sketchy things probably to save his own self and his family or get money, but I don't think that FP would have on his own decided, oh yeah, you know what, I'm gonna kidnap someone. Like, that's a little bit more than I think what he was doing. Am Am I going to inform his father of what he's doing and sort of spoil his plan, maybe? So anyway, while that's happening, Hermione tells Veronica that her father is coming home soon, so looking forward to that coming up. Mary Andrews goes back to Chicago and they have a tearful goodbye. The cops show up. This is my favorite scene from the episode. The the cops show up at the end and Cheryl and her mom are standing and like in unison lift their arms and point in the, the direction toward the barn for the cops to go find Clifford. And it's just a beautiful synchronized arm raise. Clifford has hanged himself and they find out that the secret and the reason that Jason did not want to be a part of the business was because the Industry is just a front for a drug industry operation. Which,
2: I'm going to be honest. When I first watched this, I did not catch the drugs in the barrels. Like, sometimes I will watch TV and be on my phone or something. So, when they mentioned it in the next episode, I was like, wait, what? How do they know this information? Like, where, how did they get this from what <laughs> yeah. happened in the when last it's in episode? The, when it's in so the did, recap like, at the beginning. Go back and yeah. rewatch it.
0: Yeah. That was interesting. And the voiceover at the end, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically, Jughead saying that night, the Sheriff Keller and Mayor McCoy. I saw what we watched in Archie's garage. How Jason was tied to a chair in the basement, and his father came in and shot him. We learned why FP confessed, which was because when Clover Blossom came to look look his son's killer in the face, that was when he was actually threatening FP and threatening that he would harm Jughead if if FP did not confess to this crime. So FP at least was protecting his son, which was which is good. But they you know they still have questions of of exactly why. All of this went down, and how, and then I think presumably Clifford thought that Jason would reveal to someone that the the whole drug thing was going on because Jason is a good guy and doesn't want to be in charge of a drug business. Clifford just needed to tie up loose ends and couldn't have that information out there.
1: And that's it. Uh, that's season one of Riverdale. Well, there's one more
0: episode. For whatever reason, there is still one more episode. This episode feels like a finale, though. It definitely it does. Does, but I definitely think that there is something to be said for like, okay, we're gonna make a season two, so we need to make another episode to maybe, you know, tie up a few more loose ends, lead into the next one, give something. Because this right here, it does feel like the end of a season, but it also feels like this could be it. Yeah. Imagine if this had been it. Oh, we'd all be better off. We'd all have so much more free
1: time.
2: I think there's probably potential that this was the last episode, but then they decided to renew them, and then once that decision was made, they did the last one.
0: That's definitely possible. Definitely possible. Because it made
2: it seem, when I first learned about Riverdale, I thought it was just gonna be this one season, especially because it's like this is the whole thing that the season was focused on right you know we have we now have who's jason killer was and yeah we have a little bit more information that there was more behind it but eh.
0: well also you know this isn't a spoiler but also since season two three and presumably four are longer twice as long in season length i think that it it sort of it feels a little different this this 13 episode season feels like it could have been its own thing but anyway well that was episode 12 anatomy of a Murder, which was a 1959 film by Otto Preminger, or Preminger, which the description of that is that in a murder trial, the defendant says he suffered temporary insanity after the victim raped his wife. What's the truth? And will he win his case? So that's the name of a movie from 1959. Not really any new characters in this episode or anything else. No clothes, but no cigars or anything. What do you guys think was the cringiest part of the episode? I think
1: Kevin being like, how dare you talk about Joaquin? He's my boyfriend was pretty cr- Cringy. Kevin threatening Joaquin and stating, I'm not asking this as your boyfriend. I'm asking this as
2: a sheriff's son.
1: Oh, yeah, that was so gross. <laughs> I don't know if that was cringy, but it was like, yeah,
0: so what? You're the sheriff's son. I'm sorry, what power do you have? Are you the sheriff? No, so shut up. Yeah, if anything, that's like more of a reason for Joaquin not to answer that question, I guess. I don't know. I, I asked the, I'm not sure if I can top the Cheryl calling her father daddy uh-huh. while she's accusing him of murder, I think is a little bit cringy also. Either Dude, that
2: also, I kind of cringed at Penelope dragging Cheryl because there was like a part of me that was like, is she
0: gonna kill
1: her? Yeah, that's not cringy though. That's oh, like this the
0: sticky mess. Drown yourself in it. Why don't you? That was pretty, huh pretty cringy. Or just you know the whole episode in general.
1: It was pretty cringy when Fred and Archie were arguing Ooh. about Jughead when Jughead could definitely hear. Yeah, yeah. that may win. For like I they like didn't even too. try to go to another room. That's pretty cringy. Yeah, I'll, I'm good with that one. Okay, a good one. Thank Thank you. Yeah
0: yes the applause (laughs) I live for it all right what about the most normal person of the week
2: this is where I've got nothing yeah I'm stuck I kind of was looking at the list that we have I was thinking maybe Alice I mean we said she was really on in this episode but then I also thought you know Betty was pretty good and she hasn't won it individually
0: I think I think I've got a lot I think how Alice and Betty all did a pretty good job being normal and getting Polly out of that situation and they were the only ones who were like yeah this incest thing is weird and also your family seems to be tied to murder. And then I also thought that FP was actually pretty normal because he was just trying to protect his son. I could give it to FP. Yeah.
1: I just feel like falsely confessing to a murder is so far
0: from normal. It's far from normal, but he's he's his being motivations blackmailed. Motivations are normal. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we could give it to FP, or we could give it to the entire Cooper family. Honestly, yeah, let's
2: give it to the Cooper family.
0: I th- maybe mm, is it the whole Cooper family, or I is it it's just, just
2: Al? no. I think it's Alice. I think it's honestly just I Alice, and Alice Betty because Polly should have just left. And how? Why yeah. was he sneaking into his own house? That's still creepy to me. Like that doesn't yeah. seem normal.
1: Yeah, he's but he's trying to protect his family from the knowledge of the incest which I think is probably a normal reaction
0: yeah it's it's it we comes,
1: can I, I'll go with the whole Cooper family I can get on board all
0: right well that is pretty much it for this episode you can follow all of us online various places if you'd like to follow the podcast you can follow it either at kowski or kowski cast on Twitter that's cow with a K both places you can find Kirsten at Kirsten said what on Instagram and on Twitter and I guess other places might maybe i don't know what other social media do you guys like really i mostly just use twitter and instagram so uh please please keep it there yes you can follow hannah at hannah on instagram that's hannah with one h no h on the end and only two ends this time can't <laughs> this drop time. it we'll yep. see what happens next time maybe maybe some other time if you go listen to past podcasts there's more ends the ends <laughs> go away as the podcasts go on and you can follow me as always at frail mary on every platform if you're interested in checking out our season three coverage. When you get up to that, that is all released, and we'll be moving into season two of Riverdale once season one has wrapped up. And eventually season four when that comes out in October. Fun times. Alright, we are going to jump into spoilers now. Leave. Leave okay so I have a couple things that I want to touch on this week for spoilers mostly just interesting things I noticed that were brought up that we find out later and maybe some plot hole kind of things like it's it's really interesting when you look at where we're at at the end of like season three that Alice is so determined to have FP be the murderer and just like completely fine jumping on this and I wonder if any of that was colored by her history with him at all she still feels some resentment towards him or anything because you would think even if you don't like him the The fact that they share a child would make her have some sympathy or towards, you know, not wanting him to go to jail or something? I mean, it's not like they raised a child together. I think there could
2: be some resentment, but maybe if Epi's in jail, then it's less likely that Betty and Jughead will also be together, which may be motivating her.
0: Maybe. I mean, she doesn't ever seem to really hate Jughead, though. It it always seems like the Jughead, you know, any kind of feeling she has toward Jughead have to do with her feelings toward it.
2: Well, and would you really want the offspring of your ex to be dating your offspring?
0: okay no especially given the incest light we found out from this episode yeah (sighs) i mean it's still better than later on when fp
1: and alice are dating and jughead and betty are dating and they like flash back and
2: forth between the two of them yeah Yeah.
1: it's so much better than like the betty jughead is so 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 much better than like the jason polly stuff the implied jason cheryl stuff the penelope and clifford situation it's still like the least cringy of all all of those. To be fair, Penelope and Clifford were not related. Yeah, they were adopted though. It's so creepy to adopt someone to be like, yeah, you guys are going to be raised as siblings, but then you're going to get
0: married. That's weird. Yeah, and and given the fact that that is by season three, the entire reasoning behind why Penelope is mad at everybody and wants to kill people is because she doesn't like her upbringing, but she seems totally chill with Polly's kids being purely Blossom. Well, she doesn't like her upbringing and she's pissed that everyone else's kids are
2: alive but her son is dead
0: I guess yeah I'm sure that she changed her mind a little bit about the whole Pauline and Jason's Ugh. kids thing uh, after finding out that share uh that Clifford was a horrible person yeah
1: I um I really liked in this episode like the scene where Penelope is like you've got it wrong and Betty's like I don't think I do it's kind of like a little easter egg that like yeah Penelope was already crappy even though she didn't kill Jason
0: true but I do think I don't believe that Penelope knew about the drugs it doesn't seem like she does which is yeah, weird no, I, I don't she think doesn't. she knew about the drugs but
1: i just think that that was like a little scene that made it seem like oh yeah, yeah. penelope is going to be
0: a bigger deal down the road well, But but it is weird that clifford felt comfortable telling you know 16 year old jason about the drugs but did not tell these
1: people tell 16 year olds weird stuff all the
0: time it's like a consistent theme in the show yeah. i think penelope also clearly does not know that clifford killed jason and does not believe that he would it, it reminds me a lot of that scene when alice is like ha ha you think how could have been a murderer Ha, yeah. Ha, ha. yeah, I think Penelope is kind of the same way. She doesn't believe that her husband could have killed Jason. I think this is potentially
2: like where we see that turning point or things starting to change or at least we could. I honestly don't think that the Penelope thing was like super planned out.
1: I'm starting to have more faith
0: in them that they did plan it out. Uh, yeah, that, that's definitely something going to be interesting to watch with our rewatch of season two um, to see if there's, you know, what Penelope's because I, I don't really remember what Penelope is like during season two besides the fact that tour the end she she becomes a sex worker is all I remember yeah so we'll get to that in a little bit I'm so tired of season two and three acting like Archie did literally anything to solve this murder even in this episode he did absolutely nothing it was 60% Betty 30% Jughead and 10% Joaquin and the reason who solved this murder that he says he needs to say is because his friends need him and I'm like to do what I, I don't I don't know but but like that's that's something when when Archie is on trial for the murder in season three like like one of the Ugh. main reasons why they say that he could not have done it, like one of the things they speak towards toward his character, is that he solved this crime and he absolutely did not solve this crime in any way. He played music this season. He hooked up with his music teacher. He played some football. He delivered a shirt. He tried. The one thing he does is get Cheryl out of the ice. That hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. So he. That's after the murder. But does it doesn't. Yeah, it
2: doesn't have anything to do with the murder.
0: All I know is Betty saying, "Here, Archie, let me put this jacket on you." Is not. Archie helping. Uh, I'm
2: sorry. No,
0: anyone could have worn the jacket. They could have also put on the back of a damn chair. Yeah. why did
2: she need to put it on a person? That was kind of weird. I can't believe we didn't bring that up in idea. the moment.
1: I think they just wanted the moment of Archie with his red hair wearing the jacket oh, that said Jason. So creepy. I think that's literally why they wanted that's it. The they the that cemetery. moment. <laughs>
0: well, well, it's too late now. We've already so assigned late. it. Yeah, another bit. The last thing I have here in spoilers or thoughts towards the future is it's interesting how they decide to portray Jughead's mom in this, even though we don't actually hear her or see her or know exactly what she said. At the point where we do meet Gladys, we know she's got her own stuff going on, but I really don't think she would have cared that much if Jughead had shown up.
2: Well, but the, when he showed up, she was surprised and I don't think she was super welcoming at first, but there wasn't, a, there wasn't a chance for her to say, no, don't come. So there wasn't a choice.
0: Yeah, I think she was surprised. I think, sorry, she's trash. Yeah, and, and she's got her own thing going on, but I I really don't think that like at the, this point the way she's portrayed know.
2: though is that she's doing a similar fp cleanup where she's getting her stuff together because she's taking night classes and stuff like that so it, it's hard to knowing what we know about gladys and seeing it from a lens of season one i don't know it's hard to say like how they were trying to frame her really
0: i just thought that she was supposed to be like a deadbeat well she also kind of is i am not looking forward to talking about her but i guess we don't really have to because we've covered her our, we've already basically. yeah we've already done it already, and unless. She- comes back in season four, but it's not a plot line I'm super interested in. Anyway, did either of you have anything else to talk about on this episode? We see
2: a potential hint at Keller and McCoy being together. That's where Alice brought the USB and they, you know, she was like, oh, one of your deputies said that you would probably be here. So maybe hinting at the fact that they're starting up a romance, but it's hard to say.
0: I could believe that maybe McCoy and Sheriff Keller had some deleted scenes together that maybe that, I could believe that that scene was maybe Mm. longer in the beginning and they cut it short, but that the, uh, the directors or the or the writers were testing out having them in some scenes together to see what the chemistry was like and maybe they found that it was good and that's why they do more with them in season 2. It's definitely possible. Yeah. Alright, well that is it for the spoilers we had. Not too much this episode. Might have some more at the end of next episode since that's going to have a bit of leading into season 2 stuff. Really excited to wrap up this season and move along. There's, there's definitely some elements of season 2 that I like and there's some that bug me but you know no, I, I I think while there was like one or two episodes from season one that are not my favorite overall and a little bit tiresome to get through, in general the season has been pretty refreshing compared to just the absolute nonsense that is season three.
1: It, you know what? I've been having a blast hanging out with you two, and I think that when you stretch it over uh, eight months, <laughs> it's a lot more
0: tolerable. Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, let's let's not stretch out season two over eight months if possible. Well, we'll try our best no promises we'll pull a good old andrews try right that is something we will do all right everyone talk to you next time bye listen boy boy
1: there's no jingle jangle in season
0: one wow the show really this is the episode where the
1: show went off the rails
0: hey everyone it's me again mary with just a final announcement i assume if you've made it this far into the podcast past the ending credit song and the ending blooper bit that you are a real fan Or maybe you're just in the shower and couldn't turn your phone off or are driving. Either way, if you've made it this far, I have a special request from everyone. Many of you know we are now somewhere in the 70s of our number of episodes recorded of the Kowski cast at this point, and I'd really like to do something special for 100 episodes. So if anyone is a big fan, maybe they haven't listened to all the episodes or they want to re-skim through some of them or have any special moments that really stand out to you as being particularly funny or insightful or just fun, please let me know. You can send me a tweet if you'd like or a direct message, if that would be easier, on Twitter at Frail Mary or at KowskiCast. You could leave a comment on KowskiCast.com or you can email me at podcast at KowskiCast.com. Any of those places, if you could reach out to me with an episode number and a timestamp, for something that you really liked and would like to be included in the 100 episode clip show, please let me know. That would be really, really helpful if anyone is listening to these for the first time or wants to do a re-listen. Thanks.